This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter to you. Um, hope that your weekend has been, has been good. Hope that you've had a good week as well. Um, this week for me has uh, just admittedly not gone as planned at all. Uh, started off strong, uh, felt, felt really good, and then uh, forgot to take my anxiety medication. Uh, and that, that played an impact. Apparently there's withdrawals that come with that, who knew? Um, and then mix that in with the other weights and pressures of coronavirus and uh, shelter in place and just your normal routine um, being thrown off. But then the, the bigger weights of um, what do we do with schooling? How do we do work? Um, do we have work? What is our, our financial situation going to look like? Um, all of those things playing in, plus just other weights and pressures of life and sin. And by the middle of the week, I was, I was just in a rough spot. I was in a, in a bad place emotionally and spiritually and relationally. And um, yeah, writing a sermon for Easter uh, was, was difficult uh, because I was, I was having to spend a lot of energy um, not focusing on these anxieties and these fears over here. Um, trying to stay focused with the task at hand to write a, a sermon that was hopeful and encouraging while not feeling hopeful or encouraged. Um, and, and, then, and then getting frustrated at that, right? That the, the reality of, of what was um, getting frustrated by, by what it is. You ever, you ever had like a sickness or an injury or, or just something that uh, you're, you're trying to get past, but it's just taking longer than you want or, or you're just frustrated by it, by, by the reality of that. And then you're, you know that your frustration only makes it worse, but then that makes you more frustrated. And that's exactly where I was uh, this week. It just it did not go um, at all as, as I planned or, or thought it was going to go. Um, it was quite, quite disappointing and, and at times just feeling kind of hopeless. Um, but then if I'm, if I'm really candid with you, uh, this entire journey of starting a church hasn't gone how I thought at all. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to, to Austin Life, uh, we started this church, uh, we had our first service September of 2018. Um, and, and since then, and even before then, I just feel like all hell has broke loose in my own life, in our family's life. Um, I mean, we've been tried and cha- challenged in ways we, we never expected. Um, starting a church is tough in and of itself. Um, you know, just trying to, to meet new people and engage uh, with the gospel. Uh, and, then, and then it just seemed like something else would happen or something else would come up or the, the school is being renovated. So we need to find a new location or now coronavirus, right? You need to shelter in place. It just feels like as soon it's almost like in the ocean, if you're swimming in an ocean with, with strong waves and you're, it's kind of just getting the best of you and you're just trying to catch your breath and then another wave hits you um, and you're just trying to get settled and, but you just get, keep getting tossed and tossed by, by the waves. Um, you, you ever felt that way? Like you just, you just want to catch a breath and then another wave crashes in um, and then you pick your head up thinking and then uh, that's just kind of how it's felt um, a lot lately, uh, and this week as well. It's just, it's just been tough. It's just been real tough, kind of defeating at times and, and a hopeless feeling, not knowing what the future looks like. Um, people have asked me, hey, how's the church going? And I'm like, I, I really, it's, I don't know. It's hard to know right now. 
Um, it's hard to tell. What does the future look like? How, what's it going to be like when we all come back together? Like, I, I, it's just honest and, and it's uncertain and it's kind of hopeless feeling. So why am I like telling you this, right? This is Easter. <laughs> why, why, am I, why am I bringing this up? And, and I think the reason um, in large part that I'm bringing it up is uh, I, I don't think I'm alone. Um, I don't think that I'm alone at all in, in those feelings. Matter of fact, I, I would bet over the last couple of weeks, almost everybody watching has had feelings like that of uncertainty and defeat and, and just hopelessness. Um, what are we going to do? Where, where are things supposed to go? How, how am I supposed to work? Am I going to have a job? They temporarily said it's, it, you know, to the, the furlough, but is it going to be there when we get back? Will things ever be normal again? Um, and if it's not that, maybe you've had uh, feelings of hopelessness and defeat uh, when it comes to education. Uh, you just can't seem to, to get past or get where you need to be or your financial um, security has just collapsed and you've watched that dwindle and, and go away or the, the future family you dreamed of just hasn't been, hasn't come together or the family you have hasn't been what you, you thought it would be. Um, you, you've lost maybe health or, or you've been abused or hurt or some friends that you, you had weren't, weren't great friends or the, the internal struggle of you know, alcohol or addiction or same-sex attraction or um, greed, those things that you, you don't want to be a part of your life and yet you just don't know how to, what to do with those. And there's just been, look, I'm just 100% guarantee Every one of us has felt this time of, of hopelessness, of what are we going to do? Um, and, and that's unfortunately just a part of the broken world we live in and the life that we have. But at the same time, what the Bible tells us is that hopelessness has been defeated. That, that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. That, that death has been defeated and sin has been defeated and, and darkness has been overcome by light. And so here's what I, I, want, I want you to know and I want you to hear. And, and, it, and if today you're like, well, it doesn't really apply today. The, the day is coming when this will apply. And here's what I want you to know is it is okay to not be okay. It's okay for there to be times of defeat and depression and hopelessness. It's okay for those waves to crash in. The Bible actually tells us that's going to happen. It's okay to not be okay. You don't have to hide. You're not alone. You don't have to keep it all in. It's okay. But it's not okay for us to stay there. It's not okay for us to stay there. Jesus did not leave heaven become our servant, die on the cross, rise from the dead to bring us abundant life so that we would stay at not okay. Like that's not, that's not what Jesus, Jesus came to bring us. Like, hey, I came to bring that you'd have abundant life and then we're just going to settle for not okay. That's not, that's not okay. That's not how it's supposed to be. And so I just, I just want to tell you that today, if you're like me, where this week you just felt hopeless and unsure and uncertain, or maybe it was this last month or year, or maybe it's in the year to come, I don't know. It, you're not alone. It's okay for you to not be okay. But because of Jesus, we're not going to stay there. We're not going to stay there, and we don't have to. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. That's, that's what we see today. 
That's what we're going to see in the life of Peter. Um, Peter is a great example of this living hope um, in him, right? So we've been as a church, you know, we've been going through the book of Acts. And so uh, we're about halfway through right now. Um, and, and one of the, the main things that we see is, or one of the main characters that we see is, is Peter. We see Peter who is um, lay, like surrendering everything, laying his life down, pouring his life out for the sake of the gospel. In Acts chapter 2, he stands up and preaches to thousands of men and women about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. That, that Jesus came and lived and died and rose from the dead so that any who trust him could have their sins forgiven and, and, and moved back into relationship with God. He preaches to thousands in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 4, the ruling authorities um, who hate Jesus and hate those who follow Jesus um, bring Peter in and, and arrest him and question him for preaching the name of Jesus. They want to shut this movement down as quickly as possible. And so they bring Peter in and threaten him and say, hey man, you got to stop talking about this Jesus guy. And Peter, he says in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John answered, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you, you must judge. You got to call the shots there, buddy. But we cannot speak. We, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Peter, he, he, he stands up in Acts 5. He gets arrested again. They tell him to stop talking um, about Jesus. And he says, hey, man, we have got to obey God rather than men. Like, he's boldly, confidently going toe-to-toe with the, the officials of the town that could, that could ruin his life. In Acts 10, he preaches the gospel to Cornelius and the Gentiles. He humbly lets go of um, his tradition so that, so that more people can hear the name of Christ. He's, he's bold and courageous, and he's pouring his life out relentlessly for the name of Jesus. He has surrendered everything to Christ. But it wasn't that long before we see him in Acts that he was the complete opposite. That he was the complete opposite. In Luke 5, we see Jesus come to Peter and take him fishing and then say, Hey man, I want you to follow me and make you fisher, a fisher of men. And it says that Peter left everything and followed Jesus. He was all in. He was all in. In Luke chapter 8, we see Peter and other disciples, they're, they're out on the lake in a boat and a storm uh, comes, comes on. And I mean, these professional fishermen are fearful for their lives. They are panicking. They're, they're trying to shovel water out. Jesus is taking a nap um, underneath. And so they go and wake Jesus up and they're like, hey, Jesus, dude, this thing is going down. We are about to die. Grab a bucket. Don't you care? And Jesus, with his words, speaks to the wind and the waves. Have you ever I, right now, I can see that the wind is blowing the trees. Like, I could go outside and tell the wind to stop and look like a crazy person. The wind is not going to listen to me. But the wind and the waves listened to Jesus, and they stopped. This hopelessness that Peter and the disciples felt, they literally thought they were going to die, is filled with hope by the person and power of Jesus. And so Peter, he's, I mean, he's just in. He's convinced everything is going to go great. Everything will go great with Jesus. Nothing will get in his way. He's all in because, man, the way of Jesus is the way of life. It's the way of hope. And Peter is following this Jesus. And then in Luke 22, right? Jesus is praying in the garden 
and a mob of, of armed men come to arrest Jesus. Like they've come in nighttime to arrest Jesus and Peter, man, he's just not having that, right? Like you're not, no, we're not going down without a fight. And so Peter pulls out a sword and just starts going and he chops off some guy's ear, it says. Like how, how you manage to just get an ear and not like a shoulder or, or, you know, part of like just the ear is either really impressive or like he's just not good with a sword. I, I don't know which way it goes, but, but needless to say, Peter chops off this guy's ear. Like, what is he thinking? Right? Like, this is, a, this is attempted murder. I mean, he, you, you, he just tried to kill it. He was going to take on a whole mob of men with his sword. He was ready to go. What was he thinking? I, I've got to think he, he's seen Jesus raise the dead. And so he's like, man, it's all right. If I die, Jesus just raise me. He, he's seen Jesus calm the wind and the waves with his voice. He's seen Jesus bring sight to the blood. I think he's looking at this situation and he's like, man, I got Jesus here. Like, I, I got nothing to worry about, nothing to fear. And so he's just going to town. But then Jesus says, no more, this stop. And he picks up the dude's ear. He puts it back on. He, he removes any evidence of Peter's attempted murder. And, and Jesus lets them take him away arrested. Peter's hopes and dreams and, I mean, just shattered. Like, can Imagine that. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. You, you've left everything to follow this man. You've seen his power and his ability. And then when these people come to arrest him, people that you know Jesus could, could handle by his power, he, he just goes, arrested. Can you imagine the confusion, the betrayal I bet Peter felt? Jesus, I left everything. And now you're just going without a fight? Like, Peter hit his low. He was dejected and defeated. Imagine stunned. He, it says, you know, he, he followed Jesus from a distance. And it says as Jesus was being accused and, 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 and questioned in the high priest's house, Peter was outside in the courtyard and he sat down among them and a servant girl, a, a young, probably teenage servant girl says, hey, Peter... I saw you with Jesus. And the, the hopelessness that Peter felt, the, the defeat that Peter felt, the betrayal and disappointment. He says, no, no, not me. Not me. Two more times Peter is associated with Jesus. And he denies Jesus. He de denounces Jesus because, because his hope is gone. He's crushed. His hope dies with Jesus. What's he got to live for? He left everything to follow Jesus. What, what now? He put all his eggs in, in that basket. He, he put everything into Jesus, and now Jesus is dead, crucified on a cross. A criminal's death, humiliated, mocked, taken down, put in a tomb that's not even his own. We see the, the disappointment and the defeat, the fear, the hopelessness that Peter felt. I think we can all imagine that ourselves. 
when what you thought was going to go well falls short, when, when what you thought would bring answers doesn't, when, when what you thought would always be there is no longer there. It's that feeling of hopelessness. What do we do? How, how do we, where do we go? How do we keep going? Why keep going? Peter's at his low here. So how do we get from Luke 22, where Peter is denying Jesus, where he is defeated and hopeless, to the Peter we see in Acts? Confident, bold, courageous. How do we go from the Peter who, when a a teenage servant girl confronts him, he, he cowers and backs away, to when the rulers and authorities of the of the law confront him, Peter goes toe-to-toe and he says, do, do your best. Come on. How, how do we get from the Peter who would deny Jesus in a one-on-one setting, but then would stand up in front of thousands and proclaim Jesus in Acts? Like what, what happened in between Luke 22 and the book of Acts? Because whatever happened to Peter, that's what I want. The, the hope and the confidence and the courage and the boldness that Peter had then, that's what I want to encounter in my life. And I believe that's what you want as well. Even if you're not a Christian, I think you can read Luke 22 and, and the depths of Peter and then jump to Acts and see the confidence in the heights and say, okay, something happened in this man's life and I, I, I want to at least know what happened there. What was the change and the turning point that just flipped everything for Peter? Because, man, I want that. When things get rough, I want to have the confidence that Peter had. I want to have the steadfastness that Peter had. So what changed? If you have your Bibles and you look over in 1 Peter, this was a letter written from Peter to the, the Christians who were um, scattered about by the dispersion in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. So all of these, these Christians that are scattered about and, and these Christians are, are much like you and me. They're, they're going through hard times. They're discouraged and hopeless. You ever, you ever sometimes feel like you, you read the Bible or you, you know about God, but it just feels distant? Like, yeah, that was for Peter, or that was for them, or that's for, you know, people who are more religious or spiritual. And Look, the, the, the men and women and families receiving this letter from Peter, they're just like me and you. We don't know their names. They're just, they're just doing life trying to follow Jesus. But they're, they're discouraged. They're beat down. They're suffering. And they don't get it. They're being persecuted at, in their jobs by their bosses who are treating them unjustly, and they don't understand why. They're, they're, they're being unloved and un, uncared for at home by their spouses. They're, they're sick, and they're injured, and they're being tested for their faith in Jesus. Some of them are losing their lives because of their faith in Jesus, and they're They are where I think Peter was in Luke 22. They're just hopeless and they're defeated and they don't get it. What is there to look forward to? What what is our our hope for a better tomorrow? What is our future? And they're just dejected and done. They're looking for some light in the darkness. And so Peter writes them because he knows what it's like to be there. He knows firsthand what it's like to hit rock bottom and for your hope to just be taken away. And so he writes to them and he says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blessed means praise. Praise God. 
You're, you're, you're in a terrible circumstance and you're dejected and you're defeated and you're hopeless. Praise God. That's the command he gives them. Praise God. Why? Why praise God? Why praise God when everything seems to be falling around? Why do we bless God and give him praise when, when we're sick and when our loved ones are, are, are hurt and injured and when the, the security that we had is gone? Why, why bless and praise God? Because according to his great mercy, according to his great love, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Praise God because He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He has brought in a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not an inactive hope. It's not a dormant hope. It's a living hope that is active and present and alive today. You feel defeated? So did they. Praise God because he's brought us a living hope. You feel disappointed? So did they. But praise God because he's brought us a living hope. You feel hopeless? So did they. But praise God because he has brought us a living hope. A living hope. No, their circumstances hadn't changed. Like they, they, they were still suffering. I think sometimes we, we think that, that hope means everything's just going to be better around us. But, but Peter is saying that the hope he has, the hope that he's writing to them about is a hope outside of circumstances. It's transcendent and above all of our circumstances. So everything going on around us in our lives, it can't shake or, or take away this hope. It lives above everything. And when our hope is in that, then our circumstances can't control us. They can't define us. They can't take away our hope if our hope is living and above that. So then, come on, this this is what happened for Peter. This was his change. So what is this living hope that he's talking about? What is this game changer this, that we're born again to a living hope? Like what is this living hope? I think the first thing we have to, to know is, is what the word hope means. I think we, we, we use the word all along this scale, right? Where I hope that, you know, I, I hope that the Aggies win a national championship. Right? Like it's, it's, it's wishful thinking, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe, perhaps, possibly, probably not, you know, but there's a chance, but maybe not. I'm not, I'm not placing a whole lot of stock in it, you know, but it's just kind of, it's just hope. It's a wishful thinking. But then there's this hope that we're placing our, our expectations, our, our trust, our, our hearts to. The word hope really is it's, it's something that we put our trust in, trusting that it will lead to joy and satisfaction. I'm hoping that, that something that I hope in is going to, to bring me this satisfaction and this value and this purpose in my life. So I can hope in a job. I can hope that if I'm employed, I'll find purpose and meaning. And I can hope that if I get this promotion, I'll feel validated. And, and that is what I'm looking for. I'm hoping in a job. Or I can hope in money. My hope that, that if I have a certain amount in the bank account, if my 401k is here, if I have this financial security, then I'm going to be okay. So my hope is in 
finances leading to my joy, my satisfaction, my purpose in life. Now, the, the one I, I tend to struggle with is relationships. My hope can be in relationships. I can hope that if I have this relationship, if my marriage is good, if my kids are well, if my friends are good, if, I, if my church um, approves of me, then, then I'm good, then I'm satisfied, then I'm joyful, then I'm content, right? And so our hope we place in a number of things. The question that I think is essential for us to answer today is what is your hope in? What are you trusting in? What are you placing your expectations in that, that you trust will result in a better tomorrow, that you trust will bring a better future, that you trust will satisfy you and bring you joy and happiness and meaning in life? Don't, don't rush past this. What is your hope in? Health? The, the doors opening up again and we can go back to normal life. A happy marriage? A marriage at all? What is that object, that person, that thing that you are placing your security and your trust and your confidence in? You see, the problem and the, where things get flipped upside down in our lives is when we hope in something that can't deliver. When our hope is in something that is dead, that is not alive, that is not secure, that is not certain. When we put our hearts, expectations, and hopes in a person that lets us down, then we go with it. When we put our hearts, hopes, and expectations in a career that that doesn't make it, then we go with it. We put our hope in things that can't ultimately carry the weight of our hearts. We go with it. And so the question is, what are you hoping in? The, these Christians here, they were hoping in security or safety or jobs that, that were treated them well. And, and so then when those didn't go the way they thought, their hope went with them. And so Peter is saying, no, no, we're born again to a living hope. Something that is alive and certain. And then he gives further detail to what that hope is in verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. He, he says, we have the hope, a living hope, of a better tomorrow, a better future, an imperishable, an undefiled, and unfading future. It's not going to be corrupted by a virus. It's not going to be corrupted by an economical downturn. It's not going to have suffering and hurt and insecurity and fear and betrayal. It's not going to have any of that. We have the hope of a future in heaven with God himself in the presence of almighty joy. That is our hope. I, I heard this said once, and it is what it baffles me, is that if Jesus came to bring us abundant life, and if God is eternal, I believe that, that there's an ever-increasing ceiling of abundance in God's presence. That we'll, we'll hit what we think is the, the maximum capacity of abundance and joy with God, and then it'll just keep going. And then it'll just keep going, and it'll just keep going. That is the hope that we have, the inheritance that we have kept for us in heaven, is this abundant, good home. That this is not the end. 
This is not everything that we're living for, but we're living for a home and inheritance in the future that is good. That gives us hope, that gives us a confidence that, that there's something better and there's something more that we can hold to. This living hope, it's, it also says that in verse 5, by God's power, we're being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That, that we have a future, so verse 4 says, a future inheritance, but today God is actively guarding us and protecting us and keeping us and preserving us for that future. That the living God of this world is actively involved in our lives. That He sees and knows what's going on today. That He knows our disappointments and our hurts and our frustrations. He knows the hurts and the illness and the death and the, the calamity. He knows the depression and the dark nights. And He's actively guarding us by His power. That's the hope we have is that God knows and He's present and He's here and He's near. And He's involved And he's working our lives towards that good. He's moving our lives towards that good, that everything has a purpose. It's not meaningless. Our suffering and our hurts are not meaningless. God's moving us towards good. By his power, we're guarded through faith for that end day that he has protected us and brought us in, and he's not going to fail us or let us down. We have a hope, a living hope that we can be secure in. That's good news. That's good news. And it's not affected by this world. So how do we have that? How how, how do we get this living hope? Does everybody have it? it? Is it just everybody just has this living hope? Well, I'd say it's offered to everybody, but no, not everybody has it. Look, go back to to, to before this phrase, living hope, it says, according to his great mercy in verse 3, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So we have to be born again to, a, to this living hope, to this hope of a future in heaven with God, to this hope of his protection and active presence. We have to be born again to that. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus said the same thing in John chapter 3, and Nicodemus was like, hey, dude, I don't understand what you're talking about. Born again? Like, am I supposed to re-enter my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus is like, no, 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 Nicodemus, no, come on, man. That's not what we're talking about. You see, there's two types of births according to the Bible. One is the physical birth. It's the birth where we are conceived and we are born as human beings, physical birth into this world. The The second is a spiritual birth, where our spirits are made alive. The first is the physical birth, where we're physically made alive. The second is a spiritual birth, where we're spiritually made alive. Every one of us who's listening to this, we have been physically born. We have a birth date. We we have a time when we were created, and we were physically born. The problem with that is we are born into a broken world of sin. Sin entered the world when our first parents, Adam and Eve, decided to go their own way, not God's way, and they brought sin into the world and corrupted the world and everyone born after. So we're born spiritually dead. We're physically alive, but our spirits are dead because of the corruption of the sin that we're born into. And if you're thinking like, I don't know, man, I I think I was probably born good. Okay, we don't have to debate that today. I'm No, no, I'm not willing to bet. I I know, I know without doubt that at some point in your life you have sinned. 
And at some point in your life, you have chosen self over God's way of selflessness. You've chosen to live for yourself rather than to live for God. And I'll bet you that happened at a really, really young age. So, yeah, so then we're spiritually dead from that. The Bible says that the sin causes death. So we're spiritually dead and we need to be spiritually made alive in order to have this living hope. So the only ones that have this living hope, the hope of what's to come, the hope of God's presence, are those who are spiritually alive, who've been born again. Well, how are we born again? How does that happen? If it's only those who are spiritually alive, born again, that have this certain secure hope, well, how does that happen? Because I want to make sure I have that too, right? Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The means of accomplishing our being born again is the resurrection of Jesus, is Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is what makes it possible for us to be born again. Because Jesus is alive, we can be alive. Because Jesus is alive, hope is alive. Jesus' resurrection is the final piece that makes it possible for us to be born again. Now give me a couple minutes and let me just explain the whole concept of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. God's expectation for you and for me to have verse 4, to have verse 5, To have an inheritance in heaven to be kept by God's power is for you and me to be perfect. Completely sinless from breath one to the last breath of our lives. That we never sin in action, in word, in thought. That our hearts are completely pure before God. We've already addressed this, but none of us do that. Not, Not even close. And and we can't even compare ourselves to others and say, well, we're not as bad as them. We're actually really good people. We have to compare ourselves to God and his standard. And his standard is perfection, not a single blemish. And compared to that, we're all incredibly guilty. We have a long record of debt. And so we have a problem in that we can't be born again because of our sin, because of our sin that separates us from God. Something has to happen to that sin. And so Jesus, God himself, comes and he lives on earth as a man. And he lives the perfect life we were expected to live in our place. God expected us to live it. We couldn't do it. So Jesus came and he lived the perfect life. From the first breath he took to the day he died and to the day he ascended into heaven, he never sinned but always did what God said to do. He lived a perfect life. He had the perfect record we needed. So that's part one of what Jesus did for us. Part two, then, is our sin. What happens with our sin? God can't just sweep our sin under the rug. That would make him incredibly unjust. He has to do something with our sin in order for God to be just. Well, the Bible says that the consequences of our sin is death. It's separation from God. So what do we do with that? Jesus then, the perfect man, dies in our place. He suffers that separation for our sin. That is why he went to the cross, to suffer the death that we deserve to die for our sin. So that's part two. He lives a perfect life, the life we were expected to live, and then he dies the death that we deserve to die. 
but now he's just dead. What, what do we do with that now? How does that actually apply to us? That's where the last part, the resurrection, comes in. Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death. He stood alive as God, and that enables him to offer us the great exchange. He will take our sinful record and give us his perfect record. By faith, it says, if we trust him, if we believe in him, because Jesus is alive, because he is living today, we can have a living hope that he takes our sin and gives us his righteousness, and we can be made right with God, and we can have secured for us with the living Jesus an inheritance that is imperished and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven, that we can be protected by God's power, guarded through faith. The promise of the resurrection is that Jesus is alive, therefore our hope is alive, that God is for us, that God is with us, that death is defeated, that sin has lost its power, and that one day everything will be made right again. And in the meantime, In the meantime, when things are still broken and hurt, we have the living God who is actively guarding and protecting us with his power and presence because of what Christ has done through the resurrection. That is why Easter is so important. Without Jesus coming alive again, we have no hope. Our hope is dead and buried and remains in the side of a mountain. But he's alive. He's alive, and so our hope, it is alive. I think sometimes it's tough to imagine that and believe that. And I get it. I get it. It just seems too good to be true, maybe. I mean, can we really trust that? Can we really place our hope in that? I would say no if if Jesus hadn't come back to life. If Jesus was still dead, then no, don't place your hope in that. But he's alive and is still alive. And so our hope is alive. No one's ever found his body. He appeared to over 500 people. When the early church was starting and and the other, the, the Jewish leaders hated it and wanted to, to crush the growth of this church under, under Jesus, the, the best way they could have stopped the growth of the church was to produce the dead body of Jesus. The, the church was saying that they follow and worship a living, resurrected Jesus. Okay, well, here's how you crush this movement. You provide the dead body of Jesus. That never happened. Historically, that never happened. No one has ever found the dead body of Jesus because he's alive and he resurrected and is heaven and is in heaven alive now. And so our hope can be alive in Christ. We can be born again. So I know that right now, man, it's easy to be hopeless. It's easy to have bad days and bad weeks. I know that because I'm, I had a bad week. But even in that, I know that God is good, and I know that His promise is sure, and I know that no matter what happens here, God is doing something. And I can trust that because Jesus is alive, and it is the secure guarantee of His word. So, for some of you, I'm confident you're watching this, and you're like, I just don't know. 
I don't know that I buy it. I'm skeptical. I'm still looking. And, and I say, you're welcome to look and to search. Please know that you have an open seat at the table with us. You, you can always come and, and look and ask questions and explore. And, and maybe you've just got some, some past hurts that are really hard to overcome. We want to walk with you in that. I promise. We don't want to pressure you or force anything. We're never going to unlove you if you don't decide to follow Jesus. We, we just want to walk with you. Believe that Jesus can speak for himself. Others... Right now, you're, you're thinking, I'm hopeless and I, I need hope. And the answer is in Jesus. Being born again to a living hope. And perhaps you've never been born again. Perhaps you, you've just run your life anchoring your hope to thing or to person after person or thing after thing. And it just keeps letting you down. And so you're still looking for what is that sure and certain hope that will tell you tomorrow is going to be okay. And that hope is in Jesus. And today is perhaps the day for you to be born again. And others, others, you've been born again and you're a Christian, but that doesn't mean that you're immune to hurt. It doesn't mean that you're immune to disappointing days and to seasons of hopelessness. And I believe that Jesus is alive today saying, look at me and trust me. I'm working for good. I've got you. I'm guarding you by my power. And I will never leave you. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.